welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Jocks and Dykes Show! As always, your host, Ramon Collard, Adi Patel, and the amazing Dr. Asad Collard. Yes, yes, yes. This is a brand new edition of the Jocks and Docs show, the number one sports injury branded podcast. And we're going to continue playing that theme song as the Bears continue to win and rack up them dubs. As always, Can I'm somebody your say honor- Vegas week? Vegas week, yes. As, as always, I am your honorable host, Amon College, joined by my esteemed colleagues, Adi Shishkabab Patel, and the physician <laughs> with the best physician, Dr. Asad Khalid. As always, please subscribe and give us a five-star review and let us know why you love our show so much. Um, uh, you can follow us on your favorite podcast podcasting applications, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. What's that, what's that Twitter handle, guys? J-O-C-S-A-N-D-D-O-C-S. Yes. Follow us at Jackson Docs for new content. Um, today, we're talking our usual week five picks. Then we're going to have Asad uh, do his injury report. Adi's going to spice things up with um, you know, his new segment. But first, let's recap week four, guys. Recap. I'm going solo. We're going <laughs> he's going solo. <laughs> Dude, how how impressive was Mitchell Trubisky's performance? It, it was so impressive that I was the only person on this podcast to watch it live. Unfortunately, I, I had to I had to rewatch it. I had to do the rewatch double. Yeah, take. so did I. But man, he was on fire. He was uh, Adi. Give us. I mean, you watched it live, so tell us what happened. I mean, like honestly, like the, you know, like how Bill Simmons do those like uh, retro live blogs. I wish I should have done like a like a retro <laughs> live blog. I'm like my levels of shockness. You know what I'm saying? You guys are talking all week about like how Mitchell's got to step up. Mitchell's got to do this. I mean, we all knew this is a highly complex offense. A lot of trickeration, a lot of weird stuff going on, a lot of movement. Really tough. Uh, definitely not as simplistic as some of the offenses these other young quarterbacks are running. So, you know, maybe that was a reason. At least that's what the brightest, uh, most optimistic people were hoping. And then, uh, boom. All of a sudden, Mitchell, one touchdown, two touchdowns. Three, Three just like LeBron, Four man. Four, not five. That's <laughs> just continue. No, and I, and I, th- I think what's important is uh, more than anything, you know, it, there's definitely some of these touchdowns were wide open throws, right? But I think there, it wasn't, you know, the Bucks defense. I mean, they're terrible. Okay, <laughs> so some, some of them weren't wide open though. Some of them, no, the no, no, the no, post no. route to Allen Robinson, that was a beautiful, beautiful no, no, no. throw. But, but you're missing my point about the wide open. The wide open receivers. What I, what I'm saying is they're not just wide open because it was busted coverages. They were wide open because that offense, when it clicks, has such deception in it that like it just renders receivers randomly wide ass open in random places. So I think it was much as much of a testament to the coach and the offensive coordinator as it was to Trubisky. And I think it's just like when you have one of those days where everything comes together, but your uh, biggest fans are on the basketball court living out their hoop dreams instead of watching. 
Yeah, it was crazy. And for the uh, viewers or listeners who don't know, 354 yards, six touchdowns, and a perfect 154.6 quarterback rating for whatever that means. Um, Mitchell with the day. Uh, I want to move on, though, and talk about our hometown team, the Texans, who were just kind of handed a W by the Colts <laughs> with an odd, odd. I mean, we were talking about it in our group chat, um, but like, I don't, I don't really understand what was going through, uh, you know, the head coach's mind. I mean, what was I don't think on? any of us do. I mean, well, I mean, he, was, he decided he didn't want to tie and play for a win and all that. But I mean, come on. Yeah, I think his quote was, "We're going for the tie. We're going for the win ten out of ten times." I mean, uh, you know, what one perspective of looking at it is, hey man, you guys are the Colts. Nothing's really gone right for you guys in a while, um, and. The converse is if you go through with it and you win the game, you basically eliminate the Texans from the division race. So I definitely do think while well, this guy's getting roasted and I mean, look, you're an NFL head coach. You live with the decisions you make. So he deserves to get roasted. But I mean, if he had made, <laughs> there, there, there was a lot of upside to it is what I'm saying. It, it wasn't just simply about the tie. You would have basically knocked the Texans out of the division. You'd be sending a message. Andrew Luck is back. You know, like, you know, we're here. You know, but even a tie basically ends the Texan season, right? I mean, that's what I was thinking in my head. Like, even a tie is basically a loss for the Texans. That, that, that is, that is yeah. true. true. I mean, I see, we don't know what goes on in the Colts locker room. And I think that probably just, just from the outside looking in, he probably preaches this sort of like, we're going for it all mentality. So I felt maybe the coach felt this was necessary for their philosophy. And hey, coaches live and die by their philosophies. And I think we're, he definitely died by his right now. Yeah. Just, I mean, just a ridiculous play overall. But I mean, we're happy, I guess. Texans got a dub. Um, yeah. And then, you know, lastly, I think the biggest news of the day was just injury news, which is, you know, pretty particular to our home and our heart uh, in our home because Earl Thomas just started flicking off the entire sideline of Seattle. Uh, and it's kind of just a testament to why players hold out, right? I mean that's just kind of, just kind of. This, this should be this should be called the Le- the Le'Veon Bell portion of the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean Le'Veon is deciding now that he's going to come back week seven. Uh, week seven at the bye, collect a free paycheck because you know how those paychecks go. Um, so he's going to collect a bye week paycheck, and then he's going to play week eight and save my fantasy team, which is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's a reason why Le'Veon held out, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I mean, I think he even commented on Earl Thomas's like picture or something on Instagram. He commented something like, "I'll keep being the bad guy for all of us," you know. So, um, yeah, injuries suck. Pay these players. This is why they hold out, and this is the risk of uh, not getting a long-term deal. Well, you know, sometimes sometimes we forget that these guys are professional athletes. This is what they do for a job and their window to make as much money as they can, especially for a running back in the NFL, is not very long. And when you're Le'Veon Bell, arguably the best running back in the NFL, you, I mean, what's your peak? What, two, three years maybe before you start to deteriorate from all the hits? So, I mean, can you really blame him? I mean, we, we forget that this is this is their job to feed their families and live their lives. 
Yeah, I think even even more a running back has such a shorter window, like you just said. So if he didn't do this now, I mean, when is he going to get a long term contract? Uh, with Earl Thomas, how, how how do you feel about Earl Thomas? His uh, injury and recovery, uh, uh, Doctor. No, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I mean, it's just an unfortunate. It's just an unfortunate situation for Earl Thomas. I mean, he's still pretty young, so he'll probably get another contract, but. Um, it's just unfortunate, especially with Tyler Eifert, who also broke his ankle. I mean, it's a less, it's a less important position with the tight end, but it's always sad to see Tyler Eifert, you know, just like lose his basically a whole season and maybe. Well, I guess guess since we're talking about it now, I I might as well just brush on it. Um, these are two kind of fluke injuries. And the weird thing for Earl Thomas is this is a second one. So, uh, you know, it's not one that you would predict to happen again. The first time he didn't get it surgically fixed, which is acceptable you can treat it in a cast and uh, they can heal but I'm, I'm curious to see whether he broke it in the same location which my my guess is he, he would and usually that requires the surgery the second time around um i haven't heard anything official yet but it's kind of a freak freak accident because you didn't see a a big hit or a collision he just kind of broke and ended up in an air cast so it's really 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 bad luck for both of them and Tyler Eifert too broken ankle is not something that being injury prone quote unquote injury prone makes you susceptible to this is kind of a you you twisted it or you someone fell on it or you know it's one of those traumatic things that you can't really prepare for your body just it's not like he has weak bones he's an NFL athlete for god's sake so now tough luck for both guys I'm going so low. I'm going so low. I'm going so low. I'm going so low. All right. We're going to go around the world of sports, and uh, let's start with the Champions League. What a crazy day in the Champions League today, but there's something that happened that makes all of us happy. What was that, Amon? Manchester United sucks. Give me me that quiet laugh. (laughs) Fool. Uh, 653 minutes, 653 minutes ago for Alexis Sanchez. The man's getting paid the Somalian GDP a week. All right, come on. We're calling there, him Joe. Chilean Jovino back in the back in London. They're calling him Chilean Jovino. Chilean Jovino. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> that's disrespectful to Jovino. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, I mean, it is what it is, but uh. You know, uh, Real Madrid, they took an L from Team Russian Bots. The only only W Russia's going to take this week. You know that, Adi? You and your shish kebab self are going to take no more Ws. Listen, kebab fight for Dagestan, not for Russian Federation, okay? Absolutely not. We'll get into this later. We'll get into this later, but you're still a fool. You are going to have post- Traumatic kebab syndrome. You will not even touch a kebab again in your life. <laughs> You're going to be like Real Madrid, boy. Anyway, oh, so the bots, the Russian bots beat Real Madrid, who's suffering uh, without the artist formerly known as Ronaldo. And uh, what else happened? We had a beautiful goal from uh, Dybala and uh, Juventus. I definitely recommend you guys YouTube or Google that really quick. The first goal of the game, absolute peach. And then uh, we had Ed and Jack. Are there any games you're looking forward to tomorrow? Uh, who's playing tomorrow? Let's see. Uh, t- 
Tottenham, Barcelona. Oh, uh, man. That, if there was ever a game in the history of soccer where I wished every player injured each other, that would be that game. Damn. Napoli, so, Liverpool. Those are the only two. Ones. I hope Napoli beats Liverpool. I mean, you know, I'm just a really – you know how sometimes, like, countries root for their fellow countrymen in the Champions League? I hope Liverpool loses. I hope Tottenham loses. I hope Manchester United uses. I hope Manchester City doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean Manchester yeah. City pulled that let's today. Pull that, yeah, let's pull that billions. Let's pull that that Saudi billion. Uh, Manchester City is uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Uh, how about uh, Ajax Amsterdam? Shades of past glory. They tied Bayern Munich one one. Huh. So uh, maybe uh, not everything's going as well as planned in uh, Munich, which means that they're only going to go ahead and buy Marco Royce and Christian Pulisic. Yeah. And then, um, so that pretty much covers Champions League. So let's let's move on to baseball. Playoffs are starting. You know, we're, we've had a couple elimination games to make it to another elimination game just to make it to the division series. Uh, let's get let's get a quick round of predictions. Who do you guys have in the AL, the NL, and the winner, and how many games? Abon? I mean, it's obvious, right? It's, I mean, it has to be obvious. It's the Astros. El Abioso. Back to back. Obviously, who do you back think, to back. Who do you think that? Who do you think they're gonna play? Um, I mean, doesn't matter. Give us anybody. Give us the Dodgers. Give us the Cubs. Give us the Braves. Give us the Brewers. We don't care. We we're gonna win. It doesn't matter. Okay. Well, so um, who, who do you think's gonna? Who do you think's gonna emerge out of the whole A's, Red Sox, Yankees uh, cesspool there? Who do you think we're gonna end up having to beat? All that matters is that the AL West ends up on top. We don't care about those AL. They're the AL Central, right? I don't even know. East, East. East. The AL East. Okay. Oakland East. is the AL West genius. Oakland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Oakland is uh, <laughs> trash. I mean, we don't care about the AL East trash. AL West, you know, bottom feeders, they can, you know, they can lose. They're going to lose. I don't think you know. <laughs> But I think the fantastic, Red Sox. Fantastic sporting commentary. <laughs> but the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox. There yes. we go. So, Asad, uh, any any team in particular that uh, may excite you not named Houston Astros? Braves. Give me the Braves, the young Astros. I want, I want to take them down in the World Series. I know. I, I do, too. Go back to the old stomping grounds in Atlanta. All three of us celebrating a game four sweep and then maybe going to back- a – Back to the old NL Central game. I mean, I remember when I was, what, eighth grade or so? So, uh, like 2010, 2011, you remember playing the Braves in the uh, NL, um, NLCS or NLDS the year remember, after year and I, always losing? Yeah, I remember several. <laughs> Back in the Chipper Jones days and the uh, – You know the most beautiful – Wasn't Greg Maddox and John Smoltz on that team? No, but you, know, you know the most beautiful thing about all that is, boys? All of those years, they only had one title to show for it. Yep. Yep. And we already got that. Everybody get another. And Thank another. The Yankees for that. We're going to have probably Mitchell Trubisky TD number titles. You know what I'm talking about? We'll take it. We'll take, we'll take it. it. I mean, our, our, honestly, our, our starting rotation is probably the best in baseball, right? We have it given has, the least amount of runs. Arguably, arguably the best starting rotation in baseball. We still have the same dangerous hitting lineup. I mean, the only question is really our bullpen. And we made it through last year with the worst bullpen. So I, 
give me the asterisk. All right. So now we know the NBA preseason has started and, you know, the season didn't end really well for Houston fans last year. But a new year, new excitement. New year, new me. New year, new me, you know. And uh, apparently, judging by the first, you know, 65 seconds of the Lakers game, the Lakers are going to win the, you know, NBA Finals for nothing. So, you know, (laughs) watching these uh, Brandon Ingram super in-depth highlights of four-foot fadeaways as if this man has all of a sudden become Kevin Garnett reincarnated. Like, come on, guys. He still has to put on a single pound of muscle in three years. It's <laughs> ridiculous. He's still like 180 at least. Or did you I mean, see him? He looks, he's I think, slim. I, I think he thinks he's going to go the Kevin Durant route. Have y'all ever seen a preseason get so much attention, though? I, I can't remember an NBA preseason get so much hype before. You know what? I'm even mad at myself. I'm not watching the Rockets right now. It's it's crazy. It's I mean, I, NBA. If there was a graph showing the popularity of the NBA compared to the NFL, they they've got to be intersecting in like the next ten years. I know the NFL is still the king, but we're starting. NBA has literally become a three hundred sixty-five day a year business. The off season is exciting. The preseason is exciting. The Twitter beat is the best. Uh, I, you know, I, there's this article that I believe Tom Habershaw or somebody put out today, if I'm mistaken, forgive me, um, about how teams are now starting to invest in getting uh, their players de-addicted to social media. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. that. Yeah, they're starting and, to use phone bags, right? It was the 76ers, I think. Starting to like, make people, make them communicate more at lunch. You know, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when the NFL banned celebrations. They took away one of the most entertaining parts of the game. Don't do that, NBA. Don't take away the Twitter beef. We love it. There's so much microanalysis to go on about who follows who and who liked what comment. And oh, I mean, don't take they they can't ban they can't ban them from using Twitter. Yeah, they're just taking measures to try to I guess cure what they feel is their constant addiction to it that's it yeah but they should be encouraging they shouldn't be down trying to turn it this is something that they should embrace it's not the nba it's nba teams so it's like the. i mean isn't that the nba though no the nba as the league isn't doing it it's nba teams who want to create like yeah exactly exactly well it doesn't matter who it is they shouldn't be doing it why but it creates a better team right like if does it's it like, though? I mean, I guess if you're on your phone all the time and not talking to your team at lunch. Well, look, look at it this way: if you work at if you work at a accounting firm or a law firm, and in all your meetings or wherever you're sitting, you're just sitting and looking at your phone all day. Do you think that would be acceptable in your workplace environment? I don't think yeah. they're looking at their phones all day. I mean, they had the practice. No, I, I, no, no. They're trying to control when they're in the office. So when they're like. In not like what they're doing with social media when they're in their home. Okay, like obviously that's, in team so, meetings, you probably shouldn't be on Instagram and Twitter, right? Well, yeah, that's what they're. I mean, they're, it's not even team meetings. I think they're trying to say even like the lunch periods and stuff where they're not in team meetings, they'd rather their players bond instead of, but like bonding like as part of their job, if that makes sense, right? Amon? Asa just yeah, Asa just loves his iPhone X, so he doesn't understand, right? He probably just I, got I don't the get XS. It. <laughs> 
And he's gonna. I, I swear, when we when we're watching the fight and he's on his phone, I'm gonna be laughing. I just love yeah. Twitter beef. I love Twitter we, beef. It's great. I mean, the Twitter beef's never gonna end. It's about creating bonds, you know, strengths, relationships for life. You know. Wait, you really, you do wait, do, do you really think that that would have like that would have saved Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns' relationship is putting away the phone? Yes. Like no. Definitely. No. I mean, we don't Absolutely. know if that's the issue, but you know, it can create a, a stronger team. I think is what was what the philosophy is. You know, the philosophy behind it. All right, Adi, you got anything else? Uh, let's see. No, think we can move to our bread and butter. Bread and butter. It's that injury report. Weekly health check. All right, let's get into the injury report. You know, our bread and butter. Asad, let's uh, let's head it off. You know, we got some big ones. All right, let's let's jump into it. So uh, a lot of these are kind of redundant. I'll get through it quick. But we're going to start off with Leonard Fournette, uh, the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who returned from his hamstring injury last week only to re-aggravate it during the game and sit out. And I know a lot of fantasy owners are frustrated uh, with Leonard Fournette. He's a high draft pick for most, uh, RB1 for most, but these nagging hamstring issues have gotten him off to a slow start this season. And with the re-aggravation injury in your hamstring, you can expect about the same time, often not a little more. So I look around the the three, two to three week mark for him before he gets back, and maybe even a little longer. The Jags are pushing for a playoff birthday. They could really use a um, a healthy Leonard Fournette, so they want to make sure this thing is nice and um solid before he gets back in so leonard Fournette expect probably closer to the three week mark three to four weeks is what i would guess what do you uh, hopefully a little sooner but sorry i mean i'll go ahead finish go ahead finish no go ahead i was just gonna say what do you guys think about tj yeldon this week play him yeah play him absolutely yeah i mean i don't think there's i mean a doubt about it i mean if you got three better running backs than tj yeldon then you're probably winning your league right now so if, I mean, he, I mean, I mean, meaning three better bats with TJ Yeldon being a number one starter. Uh, so yeah, at worst he's a flex. I think he's more of an RB two. So definitely, I agree. So the next, uh, I'll go into Dalvin Cook, who also dealing with a hamstring injury, um, was able to play somewhat, but didn't give you a great game last week. He says his hamstring is less than a hundred percent. That's to be expected. Uh, especially this early coming back from his hamstring injury. So it, he'll he'll work himself back into shape. You could uh, probably expect a little bit better numbers. Their running game is really kind of grounded right now, right? I mean, let, um, Latavius Murray isn't doing much. You, you know, he was a great pickup once Cook went down, but he really hasn't shown anything. Dalvin Cook is – he's Dalvin Cook. When he's healthy and he plays, he's going to be a force, and the Vikings could really use one. Um, they're kind of kind of in a little slump here. So Dalvin Cook, uh, I, I think he's going to keep pushing – um, I'd, I'd expect to see him just get better and better as with time. They've got a tough matchup against Philadelphia this week. I mean, he's basically – I don't think you should play him this week, honestly. I mean, uh, against Philly and with that injury, it's just a little tough. I don't mean, what do you guys think? I don't know. I basically have him as like a bottom 20, 25. I think Fantasy Pros – our friends at Fantasy Pros has him at uh, – at 24 right now so basically i just don't want to play him but i mean the, the tough part with cook is that you draft him pretty high so unless you drafted a lot of running backs and have good running back death you're kind of kind of forced into that situation but you know last week was kind of weird trying to play people coming back from these muscle strains there was there was Fournette, there was cook uh, alshon jeffrey coming off his shoulder um we're missing one doug baldwin coming off his mcl injury so you, you kind of want to be wary of these guys coming back 
from their injuries because one, you could re-aggravate it like what happened to Fournette. You can have bad games like with uh, Cook, or you can have mediocre games like you have with Baldwin, or you can have great games like Alshon Jeffrey, who showed absolutely no issues with his shoulder uh, or his long layoff. So I, you know, my my issue is if you have two better running backs than Cook, go ahead. So Latavius Murray isn't a must pick up then, is what you're saying. I mean, that's what I'm. I mean, he's pro- he's probably already picked up in most leagues with Cook being out. That's what I guess, but uh, I wouldn't play him anymore. He he showed you nothing over two two weeks with Cook out. Uh, then we'll get into some more serious injuries here. Will Disley uh, tied in for the Seahawks was shown uh, a good game. Taurus Patellar tendon. This is the second Seahawks tight end that I can remember to tear their patellar tendon. The first one being Jimmy Graham in 2015. And you can expect a pretty similar recovery to Jimmy Graham. This is usually an eight to twelve week, uh, eight sorry, eight to twelve month recovery, not eight to twelve weeks. Oh. And so, can you just explain to our viewers? I mean, you probably have a better idea of what happened with Jimmy Graham. I'm pretty sure you picked him up in a few leagues, um, and like what what his recovery was after the injury and what his outlook was. So, with with your patellar tendon being torn, uh, once you repair it, you you basically have to control the quadriceps uh, so you can protect the repair that you did because the patella tendon functions to straighten out your leg, and so does the quadriceps. So what happens is you can move your knee, but you can't really strengthen your quad, so your quad weakens. And uh, you do all you can to control that, but the big struggle with the recovery is getting your quad strength back. And then after that, it's getting the explosiveness back in your quad. So your quad is good for jumping, for uh, burst, for speed. So you don't really see a lot of players get patellar tendon injuries come back to full strength. But Jimmy Graham, I'd say, is, is closer to the exception. I mean, he's he's not the same player he was, but he's become a, a productive tight end uh, for Green Bay this year. Um, but you know, this is this is a really really tough recovery for the reasons I stated. Uh, it's doable, but it is a long road ahead. So uh, it's it's really tough for a, a young tight end like Will Disley, but. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay, I guess uh, no other questions there. <laughs> We're going to a couple other quick ones. Uh, Eric Berry, safety for the Chiefs, uh, dealing with a Haglund's deformity. There's a lot of questions about what a Haglund's is. Basically, it's a bone spur on your heel that pushes on your Achilles tendon and causes inflammation. The bone spur doesn't go away. I've been asked that a couple of times. The bone spur doesn't go away with, with rest, but the pain and inflammation will go away with rest and um, medication and uh, just, you know, time. Eventually, uh, if the if the bone spur keeps pushing and pushing on the tendon and affects him over and over again, then there's a surgery to take it out. But the surgery uh, recovery is similar to that if you repair an Achilles, which he's been through on the other side. So uh, I'd, I'd expect the Chiefs to rest him, give him time, let the Achilles kind of calm down and see if he can play the season. And uh, hopefully most of these don't need surgery, but um, every now and then they do. And that would be a pretty tough recovery also. OJ Howard, uh, tight end for the Bucks, dealing with an MCL injury. Expect him out for two to four weeks. I think Cameron Brait is a great pickup, especially with Jameis Winston coming back. We all know how much Jameis Winston likes Cameron Brait, especially in the end zone. Look to pick him up on your waiver wire um, for the next two to three weeks. Randall Cobb, receiver for the Packers, hamstring injury. Um, was not even close to playing this week. There's a lot of questions circulating around, around him, but at no point did he ever seem close to, to coming back last Sunday. I don't think he's going to come back this week either. But one player you could expect to come back is Joe Mixon, who had surgery on his knees uh, about three weeks ago. Uh, minor surgery, arthroscopic uh, surgery to trim his meniscus. I'd expect him to come back and not have any issues when he gets back. 
And then we talked about uh, some some of the broken bones. Tyler Eifert, Earl Thomas, you talked about earlier. Um, for Tyler Eifert, I, I just looked I'd looked at Delaney Walker as a comparison. Same injury, same position. Um, Earl Thomas, I think you know we we talked a lot about the break earlier, but I think uh, for free agency, he, he should have a pretty full recovery and I wouldn't expect any issues. He should be healthy by the time free agency hits. And then one more I'd like to get on Kenny Vaccaro, the safety who dislocated his elbow and walked off the field with his elbow still dislocated. You can find the picture on the internet. It's, it's pretty gnarly. Um, assuming that he didn't break anything else in, in the, his elbow, which can happen sometimes, uh, you know, he can, he can come back probably within a month or so, but um yeah, if you want to see an elbow dislocation, not something you see every day on the on the football field, just Google Kenny Vaccaro. All right, and that's enough of the injury report. Um, and let's move on because I didn't even mention this at the start of our um, podcast, but the Jackson Doc show is like two days away from going to Vegas. Guys, the biggest fight apparently in UFC history. That's what Dana says. Number one, Adi... You're basically new to the UFC, so I want to get your opinion from a, a basically a person with a fresh mind. A casual. How big is this a fight? A casual. A casual mind. How big is this fight, in your opinion? Like, you, you've been around fighting. You've been around sports. So, As far as UFC is concerned, this fight could be the biggest fight in its history. I mean, they... I was looking at the from a purely business standpoint. They are hurting without Conor McGregor. My God, the the league, he is the league. He is the Tiger Woods of UFC. You're not gonna see those numbers unless that guy's there. I was looking at the all the pay-per-view buys in 2018 combined are not gonna add up to what just this one fight's buy is gonna be. Then you got this guy, you know, talk about worthy challenger. You know, you got we got bus attack story. We got, you know, Dagestani over here basically trying to ta- inspire his people. You got, you know, all-time champ. I mean, this as far as storylines and fights go, this, this, this single fight could really add thousands, tens of thousands of fans to the sport of UFC. And I mean, you're, t- you're talking – you were talking about the business side. I mean, just like, just in general, the the UFC has had two very gigantic stars, Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey. And Brock Lesnar. One is fighting in the WWE and Brock Lesnar. But two, I yeah, think two, two of them are uh, fighting I don't think, in WWE. I don't think, yeah, two of them are fighting in WWE, but I don't think Brock Lesnar ever hit the Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor level of uh, notoriety to like, you know, just like general people and general, the general public. Right, I mean, nobody really knows who Brock Lesnar is. People know who Ronda Rousey is. People know who Conor McGregor is. Um, but yeah, the UFC is struggling because they lost basically two UFC, two of their best, two of their only superstars, uh, excluding Brock. Yeah, Lesnar I mean, it, I mean, it's years. it's really hard to really compare to other sports because it would be like you know losing LeBron and Steph Curry to handball you know what i'm saying like another sport it just doesn't make sense yeah. you know so uh yeah or, or or in this case i guess the harlem globetrotters since it's all rigged ahead of time right but uh 
and it's so unlike it's so unlike boxing in that like there's no boxing is run by promotions right so no promotion is gonna fail if there's no superstar right like i mean obviously the promotion will fail if there's no backing but like there's nothing to fail in boxing boxing will always exist the ufc is just like a league it's like the nba it's like the nfl so i mean it needs it needs its players right it, it has a player league relationship unlike boxing which doesn't have a like an overarching league exactly and you know and i really hope this fight is really going to convert a lot of fans because uh i mean we got you know khabib over here he he's never lost a round if i'm not mistaken right like he's he's he's, he's, never, he's never lost a fight he's never lost a round and then you got the as some may exaggerate on this podcast and call him the Muhammad Ali of this generation versus a challenger who's literally never lost a round. Okay, I'm, wait, let's let's break that down since you brought it up. Do you not agree that Conor McGregor, as far as mental warfare goes, is on the level of Muhammad Ali, if not higher? No, because I would say Muhammad Ali had to do it against better opponents. I mean, you're just you were just praising Khabib. Well, we don't know if his if his mental tricks work yet, do we? If it we, no, they absolutely, the time, do. they absolutely do. You, if you watch the Eddie Alvarez fight, Eddie Alvarez no, threw no, away no, no, his no, no, game, right? Yeah, I know, I know. Well, we're, I'm, I'm just saying, like that, you know, the type of people that Muhammad Ali had to fight, you know, Joe Frazier, uh, Sonny Liston. These are like these are big boxers. It's, it's, but it, yeah, you, Conor McGregor has not fought nobody's in the UFC. Conor McGregor fought Jose Aldo, who is unstoppable. You're trying to force this. You're like one of these people. WEC king. He was he was like, a king at the time. Look, if he had a huge I mean, undefeated streak. If, if he beats if he beats Khabib, then we can start talking about the mind games. Whoa, 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 oh my goodness! No, Khabib is not even the most decorated person that he's beat. You don't understand. This might be his toughest stylistic matchup, but he has fought much bigger names in the sport. M- multiple people. Nate Diaz was a bigger fight than Khabib. Jose okay. Aldo I mean, was a bigger fight than. I mean, I, th- I thought Eddie the whole Alvarez was a bigger fight than Khabib, and not thought, not to mention that he's already I, I, okay. But okay, the he, whole he's, point he's, is that he's mental warfare is as good as Muhammad Ali's, and I'm just saying. I, I mean, absolutely. I well, I think you can see. I, I think you can see that it is. I mean, he he got into Eddie Alvarez has fought all over the world, some of the toughest opponents. He he's one of the tried and true veterans of the sport. Conor McGregor got in his head and made him throw away his entire game plan to fight him. Jose Aldo came out hot and on fire trying to kill Conor McGregor and got countered in 13 seconds. This is one of the greatest of all times in the sport. 13 seconds before he's flat on his face. To tell me that Conor McGregor's antics and mental warfare doesn't work is just ignoring dog you're straight up like cnn nobody said that i told you i don't know enough to know like like i know so so don't don't ask me do i think conor mcgregor's is as to me that's a fucking ludicrous statement do you know what you were talking about you're talking about muhammad ali he i I know exactly what i'm talking about in africa and sold out hundred thousand stadiums with two million people outside because he forced people to go there through mental warfare through his promotions this guy was considered the preeminent voice of the Vietnam opposition. You don't talk to me about this no, guy. No, we're talking, talk we're talking mental policy. warfare. We're not talking politics. We're not talking, okay, we're not talking political issues. We're talking talk, mental uh, warfare. Okay, we're talking... If, if, so if Khabib whoops his ass, if Khabib whoops his ass, and all this f- taking private planes and attacking buses, we're going to uh, admit that that's the most event, right? No, and this absolutely not. Hell, right? Because, because so, so, Khabib... So, 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 how can you this doesn't work? 
How how can I how can I what? How could he be Ali if of all this mental warfare he's trying to do against Khabib? Uh, Ali like, lost fights. Ali lost fights too. Ali dude, wasn't undefeated. Ali lost like okay, you're, you're it's a different time back then. Everybody lost fights. This is, and that doesn't I happen mean, now. Everyone in the UFC loses fights though. <laughs> I think it's a little hard for Ali to argue because he doesn't have no, but I mean, I, I mean, I it's the UFC. a ridiculous thing people try to do I, comparing so things. I'm not. I'm it's, it's like saying. Like like I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Connor is as prolific as Ali. I'm not saying he's as popular yeah, as Ali was. I'm just saying matter more when there's more on the line, and Muhammad Ali has consistently had more on the line in every one of his fights than Connor does. And to do it at that stage where the whole world is has the pressure on you, where you're going to third world countries and entire continents are rooting for you and you're still doing those mental tricks, that's a higher, that's a different playing field. That's like doing a mental trick versus a, a checkers player versus doing a mental trick on a chess level when the pressure and the stakes are so much higher. Connor's so just being a boy. That's all he's doing. It works. I'm not disagreeing with you. But what I'm saying is Muhammad Ali is doing it with the expectations of a movement, of a nation, of a people. And uh, he was, you don't think Connor's doing that? You don't think oh, Connor has a whole country oh, behind him? Irish Catholics, my God. I God, God forbid the Irish Catholics real got a real political struggle going on right now. Come on, man. You're comparing apples to oranges, bro. Apples to oranges. Amon, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I think I think Connor certainly has a backing from the Irish. I think you, you can't deny that. I'm saying that. I'm saying there's no – he's not a backing of the Irish – Ali was giving dignity to the voice of a billion people. He was he was a voice of the opposition to the Vietnam War. That, like he literally took three years of his best years of his career away. He represented a lot more. So every fight he had, his like him losing represented a lot more than Connor losing. It's a different play. You don't even remember the times. <laughs> you can't even name the times Muhammad Ali lost. No, when did he lose? I mean, he's definitely lost like. So it didn't matter, really. I mean, it's not like we ever remembered. We only remembered Ali's for his greatness. Yeah, but you're that's talking. Because, you're I talking mean, to a huge Ali fan. Like I, you know, Ali's a huge role model. But I'm saying, but Conor McGregor, as far as far as getting I, into sure opponents' heads, comparisons, it's ridiculous. Can we move on? Can we just enjoy Conor for being the greatest UFC mental fighter of all time? How about that? Can you enjoy Conor? No, he's gonna get his ass beat. Racist ass. Okay, let's, so let's get in, let's get into the fight then. Then wait, why why is Connor racist? Man, he's racist. You can just how tell. how how you know, you you can't you can't make these these. He's trying to accuse statements. people of terrorism randomly. Come uh, on, that there's facts behind that. And he didn't call him a terrorist. He called him a terrorist snitch. We're talking about Ali Abdulaziz for, for those that haven't heard at the press conference. Yes, this man took a private play to start a fight on a bus. UFC is real. Please, I'm telling you, I will never forgive you guys if, for the rest of my life if one of these guys pull out of this fight. This is going to be the greatest fight of all time. And if one of these guys pull out, it's going to wreck the UFC. Your boy, one of these guys, it's your guy, Kebab. Connor has never pulled out, not once. Hey, He'll man. fight no matter what. Hey, man. If kebab pulls out, I will no longer be a Shish Kebab fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you shouldn't be, dude. He's too busy eating tiramisu. But um, Connor right now is a, is an uh, is actually an underdog, plus 130. So we're going to make some money in Vegas for sure, Asab. Well, uh, like, why, why, why do you guys think that Connor is such a underdog? Do you think it's because of the the number of years 
since he's uh, last been in the UFC? Or I, I think it, it's it's, a, a, it's actually go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I was gonna say I think it's it's a combination of the layoff <laughs> and just the the stylistic matchup is big. But I also think it's a little bit of Vegas uh, expecting a lot of late money to come in on Connor. I think I think there's gonna be a big push as soon as people start getting into Vegas like us to go put money on Connor as the underdog, and then you're gonna <laughs> see the line shift. We're, we're we're gonna tip the scales, boys. I, it, yeah, it, it really yeah, is. Deep pockets, deep pockets over here. It, <laughs> if, if the is not going to become a favorite, uh, it's not going to become the if the, if the line doesn't move, if the line favorite, doesn't move no, 20 no. or 30 cents, I'd be very surprised. No, no, I, I think Todd is right from the standpoint of look, we've clearly popular money is going to be on Connor, a lot of last minute money is going to be on Connor. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Russians though in Vegas, I think. I think it's going to be pretty even, if I'm being honest. I mean, the Irish go crazy, so we'll see. I've never been to fight week, but. How excited are you guys uh, from a, from just like a fan standpoint? Because this oh, means I can't awesome. wait. That's right. So I can't wait to go to the buffet before the fight. That's what I'm looking forward to. Crab legs. Crab legs. So Asad, who do you got? Let's talk about the other lines. I mean, who do you got? The other fights and the other lines in the fights. I mean, who do you got in the Tony fight? Who do you got? And the Karate Hottie fight. You have the lines in front of you. Lewis fight. I'm pulling them up right now. I don't Wait, think they it's have just making yeah. up people's names. Karate Hottie. What is this? Uh, WWE? Um, You're going to learn, dude. This is... Uh, Adi's a new fan. He is. Just a year ago. Just a year ago, he was uh, saying he was never going to be a fan. The, the sport sucked. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I'm excited because this, I mean, is a, this is a great card... For you to get introduced to the UFC, I think you have two great, great fights at the top of the card. But if you look deeper, there are some really, really good fights. Michelle Waterson, Felice Herrig is—I mean, that's a—that's a burner. Michelle Waterson is fun to watch. Uh, Felice Herrig is a little older, bigger, but uh, Karate Hottie's got uh, she—her she, stance can give her a lot of trouble. And we saw her give Courtney Casey a lot of trouble. Courtney Casey is a big girl too, so um, that should be a fun fight. But I think the one you're going to like, Adi, is Derek Lewis uh, fighting H-Town's own Derek Lewis. If you, if you haven't read about Derek Lewis and his uh, Hurricane Harvey stories, you need to do a little research before you no, get No, no, no. I, 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 I actually have. So, so Derek Lewis, H-Town's own. I, you know, we're, we're coming from the H-2, so it's going to be a, a big hometown poll there. That's probably one of my favorite fighters. And uh, Do yourself a favor. I don't know if you've checked out his Instagram at all, but he has the hottest instagram in the ufc just his his takes and his jokes it's it's hilarious so Derek Derek Lewis is a big favor um but as far as lines go i'm looking at the co-main and anthony pettis being a big underdog to tony anthony anthony pettis looks a lot more like showtime than he did um you know three or four fights ago when he beat kiesa and he started focusing back on his striking and quit trying to be a wrestler and work on his takedown defense he's starting to look like showtime again so you might see an old anthony pettis and i think an old anthony pettis gives tony ferguson a lot of trouble because anthony pettis is a great striker not not a good striker anthony pettis is a great striker and tony ferguson has a lot of holes in his game and we all know that he makes a lot of mistakes in the cage uh that he can cover up usually because he's so good in other areas but he's not the most technically strong sound fighter so if anthony pettis brings his um you know kind of kind of um finds his old vintage striking form 
he can pick apart Tony Ferguson, I think. So I, that's my underdog that I'm looking to put some money on there. Are you going to make us rich, Asad? Uh, I never do. He seems like he knows what he's talking about. So and, let's follow Asad on his game. And I think, uh, what was he, a plus 300, you said? I, I remember him being plus 300. I'm not sure what the line is wow. now. But well, if, that's a, I, I if, disagree with that. Tip. If, I, if I told you blindly he was a plus 150, would you still have taken it? Yes. Wow. I would. Okay. For, for okay. Pettis, yeah. That, that's confidence. So you, I mean, so he just actually thinks. Pettis I think Pettis, I think so Pettis when I actually think, wins. Yeah. When I bet on boxing, it's basically just, I mean, I don't even look at the odds. You got to, you got to bet on who you think is going to win. Right, 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 right. Who cares about the odds? Absolutely. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, I mean, Tony Ferguson's a beast, but he is coming off that injury and you would know a lot about it. Yeah, so LCL LCL reconstruction, which is not a, not the easiest surgery to get over. Yeah, not at all. Um, I feel like we need to make a bet, Adi, but I don't know what the bet should be. Um, maybe you have to buy me a jersey or something. Yeah, you know, it's I'll buy you. A it's fun. It's funny you said that. I was like, man, I kind of wish these uh, UFC fighters had jerseys because I definitely would rock. I would definitely they would do. rock. They like, do. They do. They they have like shirt jerseys. I'm gonna get a Derek. I'm gonna get a Derek Lewis one. Yeah, Derek Lewis is black beast. Black beast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That that that's 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 a that's a stock I'm investing in. All right, guys. Let's before we head to Vegas, let's give our final predictions. Actually, I want to hear. I want to. I want to get into something before we get to our final predictions because I don't know. I don't believe this, uh, this like myth that Connor is gonna end this fight in like a minute, or Khabib is gonna drag this out for five rounds. You know, like it's either or. Um, and Brendan Shaw alluded to this in the in his podcast with Joe Rogan, but I think this could be a war. Like, I legitimately think this could be fight of the year, and these guys are just gonna battle it out, and we'll, we'll see who wins at the end of five rounds. Like, they're gonna actually duke it out. I mean. I mean, do you guys think that that is possible? I, I, mean, I worry if this yeah. fight goes five rounds. I really worry that Connor would win. Uh, I think I think a five round fight favors Khabib so heavily. Uh, for me, this Connor's got about I'd say probably two rounds to win this fight. If it goes into three, four, five, see, I disagree. Oh, go ahead, tell me why. I think Connor can see. I think Khabib could get a takedown in the first first round, second round, and probably win those rounds. But I think as the third and fourth and fifth round starts and Khabib gets a little bit tired and the, the crowd gets a little bit into his head and, you know, the pressure gets a little bit on him. And Connor is going to be calm in that situation. And we're going to see Connor maybe pick him apart in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. And, and I think Khabib could take it. I mean, I don't think Khabib's a weak guy. I think he's strong-willed. And I think he might sit in there and take him down a little bit, and Connor will get up and beat him up a little bit, and Connor will get taken down, get beaten up a little bit. I can see a little bit of both happening. So you, throughout you, five you see rounds. it kind of being like the Chad Mendes fight. A little bit, but I think I don't think Connor will get taken down for a full round. I think Connor might get taken down for 30, 30 seconds to a minute, maybe a minute, two minutes, and get up, and maybe fight for the next three minutes and you know pick apart Khabib. But we'll see. I mean, Connor's never Connor's only decisioned Nate Diaz, right? So, and Nate Diaz has an iron chin. That guy's 
can go through anything. And I don't know. We haven't seen enough of Khabib know what he. Can well, we've do, seen we've so. seen him rock in the first round. We haven't seen him, you know, drop. Or we've seen him drop, but we haven't seen him out. So I mean, we haven't seen him dropped. We've seen him rocked, and we haven't even really seen him rocked. He wasn't even like super wild. But Michael Michael Johnson put him, didn't Michael Michael Johnson put him on his knees? I'm pretty sure he dropped. Chuck. No, no. Michael Jackson. Michael Johnson just wobbled him a little bit. That was the hit. It was a straight, like a straight right, and just wobbled him a little bit. But you can check the video. He's never, he's never been dropped, never been knocked down. So, I mean, but let's get into our final predictions. Let's, uh, let's ask the novice first. Are you really picking Khabib for your first UFC event? Absolutely, no doubt about it. I, I, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm, I, I'm thinking. You know, everyone has their reasons, right? But I'm thinking the layoff. I'm, I'm a little bit reminded of what happened when when Ronda Rousey lost. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I'm not sure if maybe Connor's focus is fully there. But then again, you know, as you guys told me, Khabib might not even show up. So. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just, I just kind of, I like rooting for the up, up and coming guy, the underdog. I like the story of, you know, where he's from, what he represents. I think uh, I like that it's a, the fight is a big contrast in styles, and uh, and personalities, and personalities, absolutely. And uh, it's just, I mean, what, like I said, this fight right here has the potential to bring in tens of thousands of converts, you know. Uh, I know, you know, it's at least at NYU, I've talked about it with people who are just casual UFC fans. You know, a lot of people are like super excited about this fight. Uh, there's a buzz in the air and it's just going to be amazing. And I'm, I think, you know, sometimes you just got to sit back and say, we're blessed that we're going to be able to be there. And it's going to be even more joyous to see your guys' frowns and tears and sadness and you guys wallowing with your proper... 12, 13, 14, whatever it's called, whiskey. And uh, I'll be enjoying the spoils of supporting the new champion, you know? Well, not the new champion, the current champion, that is. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, Asad, what's your prediction? So I, 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 I was thinking earlier about this fight and the idea that one strength is the other's weakness. Well, it might be true. In order for Khabib to utilize his strength, he needs to close distance on Connor. And one of Connor's biggest strengths is managing distance and keeping himself at length or closing when he has to to get the kill. I think Connor McGregor has been in the biggest moments in combat sports. He's fought Jose Aldo, he's fought uh, Eddie Alvarez, Nate Diaz twice. And almost every time he's been doubted, no one thought he could beat a, a wrestler in Chad Mendez, knocks him out in the second round. Talks a bunch of shit to Jose Aldo, the the huge winning streak, the uh, featherweight champion, uh, the king of the division. You know, one of the greatest of all times. Thirteen seconds later, he's out on the canvas. Eddie Alvarez, tough tough opponent, fought everyone. You know, from here to the sun, underground king. Makes him look like he's never fought before. Makes Eddie Alvarez look like a novice, an amateur in the octagon. And every single time, Conor McGregor has been doubted. Then he goes to fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match, arguably one of the greatest boxers of all time, and wins rounds and hits Floyd Mayweather pretty hard. Like there's, He hits, connects on some big shots. 
you don't just you don't just fight Floyd Mayweather and not get better. You don't you don't take two years off from the sport. You can't you can't use two years off from the sport as an excuse that Conor McGregor has been stale and not getting better. You when you fight Floyd Mayweather, when you can can consistently box and look to fight one of the greatest boxers of all time, I can't wait to see what his striking looks like in an MMA cage. I can't. And with his distance management, I think I'll get to my prediction. I just think Conor McGregor with a with a first round TKO is what's going to happen. I think he's going to make Khabib Khabib stand up. He's going to expose the stand up difference, and uh, I don't think Khabib's going to be able to close the difference or close the distance without getting clipped and without taking a left hand. I'm going to say first round TKO for Conor McGregor. Okay, and my prediction, and I and I love how you alluded to his fights. And I think you missed a big one in between was the Nate Diaz fight, both of them, which in one of them, you know, he got knocked down, he got taken down and submitted. And I remember watching that first fight and the first time he lost. And I was just sitting there wondering how this man was going to take that loss with such a big ego and the way he talks. How is he going to react to a loss? And to his credit, he really took it on the chin. And he wanted that rematch really badly with Nate Diaz in at welterweight. And he came back and he lasted a five-round war with a with a tough Nate Diaz. And he won that fight. And I mean it just shows what Connor can do going through adversity and put in pressurized situations. So I think he wins this via first round knockout. I think Khabib actually takes him down. I think Connor gets up. Khabib gets tired, and Connor knocks him out. So that is my prediction, and that is the Jackson Doc show. Before we head to Vegas, we're gonna have we should have a post fight show or something. We should try recording something in Vegas if we can, but I don't know if we're gonna get to that. Um, but do you guys have any last words? Yeah, get ready for crab legs. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to, I just hope everyone uh gets a chance to just take this fight weekend cuz this is something you just might not see in the UFC for a very long time. So just enjoy this week, enjoy the fight, enjoy the main event. Hopefully we get there without any casualties or weight cutting issues and just soak it all in. Win or lose, whoever you're rooting for, just soak it all in and enjoy it. Yes. And uh, thank you, as always, to my two partners for joining me on the podcast tonight. Um, again, you guys should subscribe, rate us, review, comment, send us tweets. Give us those five stars on your favorite podcasting application. Um, that includes Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play. Um, yeah, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the handle J-O-C-S-A-N-D-D-O-C-S. Twitter is going to be live this week because we're going to be posting some live videos from Vegas, hopefully, of Ozzy losing all his money um, and us gambling. And I don't know. We'll do some videos or something, maybe. We'll see. But thanks for listening, as always. Peace! Fuck Kavanaugh. <laughs>